Special thanks to our promotional partners at the American Philatelic Society. The APS is the largest stamp collecting organization in the world, supporting collectors of any level worldwide. For more information about membership and APS services, visit stamps.org. Hi, I'm Michael Cortese of Noble Spirit in Pittsfield, New Hampshire. And I'm Charles Epting of H.R. Harmer in New York City. And this is Conversations with Philatelists. Now, Michael, we're going to do something a little bit different this week. Yes. Which astute viewers, perceptive viewers may notice mm-hmm. that we are not going to have a guest on this week. Yeah. Yeah. Um, this is something I've, I've wanted to do. Uh, you know, you and I both listen to a lot of podcasts. Uh, I like the storytelling aspect of a podcast. And as much as we love having people on, and we're going to go back to that very quickly. Um, in the meantime, there were a couple of things uh, related to the hobby that I wanted to discuss with you uh, and wanted to, um, you know, just sort of um, open up for a, a wider conversation. So uh, I hope that people listening to this will uh, engage with this episode and, and reach out to us because um, there's something in particular that I've been mulling over for the last year or so uh, that I think is um, very important to to discuss. So that's why um, again, I'd love to to maybe mix these in every once in a while, where instead of um, just this the, the same format of, of having a guest on every week, maybe we mix things up. And I'd love for you to come at me with things, and I'd love to to do the same in return to you. Yeah, absolutely. I'm looking forward to uh, to what you have to discuss. So for people listening, watching, uh, I don't actually know what Charles. I know what the what Charles is about. To we talk had a very about, brief but, conversation, yeah. but we did not. I, I wanted to go into this cold. I wanted to go into this. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, and, and I, I again, I hope you will return the favor. Yes. and uh, surprise me with a with a wild card episode like this. But the the, the thing I've been thinking about mm-hmm. is it, it directly stems from our podcast because we um, spend a lot of time on YouTube and Twitter and. Instagram. Yep. I have a stamp Instagram now and less so for me on Facebook, but there are a great many stamp Facebook pages. Um, there's Richard Ferjola's website, which is the, uh, the, the hub of, of serious philately online. Yep. Um, there's different stamp message boards. There is a lot of focus on the digital sphere. And I think rightfully so. And I think that for a lot of people, they view uh, the digital space as a way of getting new members, particularly young members involved in the hobby, um, you know, having Facebook groups, having, uh, was it James Gavin? We talked to about, a um, uh, not a Slack thread, but was, Oh, the discord. Yeah. The discord server yeah. about yeah. stamps. So there, there are, are people who are really on the, uh, we could have a stamp Slack, right? Yeah. Yeah. We technically could. There's a lot of focus on the digital end of things. And I think that's important, but I also think we need to realize the importance of print publications yeah and especially these societies that are putting out these journals that are still invaluable and as great as a blog post is as great as a youtube video or a facebook comment is i'm amazed at what i learn in facebook comments i will admit but there is something to be said there is a a legitimacy and a permanence to something that appears in print i'm not saying that everything that appears in print should be taken as gospel plenty of stuff appears in print that is maybe not not the greatest but but by and large when something appears in print mm-hmm. it should be taken seriously yeah and that is what i would like to talk to you about today there are yeah. two case studies the other thing i will say before i introduce these two articles that have had such a profound impact on me um i don't know if it's just me but I get frustrated quite okay. often 
that we are involved in the hobby a hundred and what is it? 70 years, 174 mm. years after the first postage stamp. And you read about the work that was being done in the 1890s, the 19-teens, the 1940s, the plating, the research. You know, there was so much, you know, new stamps were being discovered. Confederate provisionals and locals and carriers were, were being uncovered on a regular basis. Mm-hmm. And I get frustrated, I think is the right word, that everything's been done. Everything there is to know has been discovered and all we can do is put things that we find into predetermined categories. Mm-hmm. Do you feel that ever? Um, yeah, yes, and I feel like the um, the majority of stuff has been done. It was great to hear from Trish Kaufman, you know, and, and she had talked about some uncovering a material that she had just discovered and she was working on with different articles and stuff like that. But yeah, I mean, I would agree that 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 I feel like a lot of the work on the classic era and, and has been it, done for us. Exactly. And, and again, when I say that everything's been done, I'm being facetious and being yeah, yeah. Uh, over the top. But but you're right that I think a lot of the original research being done yeah. is on things like state revenues, things yeah. that have sort of existed outside of the mainstream for so long pre-cancels. We, great conversation we had. Um, the, I, I feel like that's where a lot of the original research is being done. These things mm-hmm. that were maybe unfairly overlooked or marginalized for for decades. Um, now they're finally getting their due. Again, there is great philatelic research being done. I am 100% facetious when I say it's all been done. Mm-hmm. This is just a, a a mood that I fall into every once yeah. in a while. When you read a book like Nankin or Ashbrook or Luff or you know Brookman, these these great works of of philately leave you feeling like a lot of the, again, the classic era, the big stuff has already been tackled and we yeah. can just move on to, to other things. There have been two articles published within the last year that I think need special attention called to them because they have not only changed the way we think about certain aspects of the hobby, but they have shown me that my fears are misguided that everything has been done. And they've shown me how much original research there is to be done on topics that you would have thought were done to death by now. Topics mm-hmm. that you would have thought nothing more could be written about. These two articles came along and just blew me away. Okay. I'm excited to hear about them because, yeah, you told me what one Are of you- them was on. And the second one, I've got no idea what it's on. You just, you, before we I started recording. I flashed the cover you to you and you were like, cover. is that? And I was yeah. like, ah. Yeah. I'm going to start with the first article that I read. Okay. I read most magazines that come in the office. I at least skim them cover to cover, read mm-hmm. most of the articles, put them in a pile, maybe file them away mentally. For yeah. me to have read an article like three or four times mm-hmm. is very rare. Okay. But this article got me so excited, I keep rereading it, trying to glean more information out of it. Mm-hmm. This article was published in the Collectors Club Philatelist. Okay. In the July-August 2020 issue, so last summer, this arrived at the height of lockdown and everything for me. I was desperate for some new stamp information. And this magazine arrived in the mail. Mm -hmm. The title of the article is 1868 Production Grills. Okay. Why Size Matters. This article was written by Rex Dean Bishop. Grills are interesting. Yeah. Because every collector knows what a grill is. Mm -hmm. Most 
U.S. collectors. They see those gaps in their album. They see the A grill, the B grill, the E grill, the F grill, the Z grill. I feel like grills are very widely known, yeah, but very poorly understood. And I am as guilty of this as anyone. This is why this article means so much to me. Mm-hmm. Because the values of grills vary wildly, mm. as evidenced by the one-cent Z-grill. The, the value that one or two points can make yeah. is exponential. Yeah. One thing I find so fascinating about grills is that none of the actual grilling devices exist. So all we have, this is almost like trying to reconstruct a dinosaur from just its skeleton. Mm-hmm. You, We don't know what the device looked like that made the grills. Yeah. We have very good theories. We have hypotheses about what it should have looked like. But in the absence of the devices themselves, we're left reconstructing the process of grilling solely from its tangible impressions. Mm-hmm. This article walks you through why certain grills are shaped the way they were. And it it covers this concept. There were certain grills that were production grills. These were widely used and widely produced on stamps. And there are experimental grills that were used on stamps and and used on issued stamps in, in most cases, but were not meant for mainstream production. Okay. Again, grills are something that I feel like a lot of collectors, they see the gaps, they know the ones they can afford, (laughs) they know the ones they can never afford, and the thought process on grills sort of begins and ends with counting. Mm -hmm. And I feel like counting... And and measuring, exactly, and and which direction. Yeah, Yeah. I think that viewing grills in that light is deceptive and somewhat dangerous okay because it doesn't tell you the why this article is subtitled why size matters the fact that scott catalog lists these things differently proves that size matters obviously the size of these things is what differentiates them yeah why does size matter this is what rex dean bishop's article does so well the other thing that both of the articles i'm highlighting today do is they leave these cliffhangers okay that I think are brilliant. And I will show you a heading in here that I just love. The serious enigmas of the Z-Grill. This heading is so evocative because the Z-Grill is one of the most famous and expensive United States postage stamps. Mm -hmm. But why? Why is this so close to uniqueness with with very few examples now? Just just two, I think. Two. Supposedly. Supposedly. No. <laughs> Why? Why are there other Z-grills that are more common? And why are there certain Z-grill values that are so, so rare? I mean, they're all mm-hmm. rare. But why are there Z-grills that exist in orders of magnitude more than the, the one set? Yeah. yeah. Why? This is the question I've been asking myself lately. With the, the 1851 uh, one cent, there's different types, 5 and 5A and 6 and all these different varieties of the one cent. Why? You read the 1851 sesquicentennial book, it explains these things. What Rex Dean Bishop's article does here is explains why we should care about grills. Because if you tell me this one has 17 points or 18 points or 16 points, that's not enough reason for somebody, in my mind at least, to spend hundreds of thousands of dollars on a stamp. You need to understand why 
for that value to be warranted and justified, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. This article does an exceptional job of that, while also leaving the door open to the Z-Grill. Yeah. And this last paragraph, regardless of how the interesting Z-Grills and the problems associated with them are addressed in the future, one thing is clear. If you have managed to wade through the intricacies of this article, you are aware that when it comes to the D, E, F, and Z grills, size does matter. Opening the door Mm -hmm. to there being some resolution of the Z grill issue. I will not spoil this article for anybody. Yeah. And explain what the issues with the Z grill are. But I will say that there are serious reservations. About their existence? About the circumstances that led to their production. Okay. Because it is such a rare, or they are such a rare stamp, the one cent Z-Grill. I mean, famously, it was was previously owned at one point by by Don Sunman, and then he traded it to Bill Gross for the only known plate block of four – uh, inverted Jennies that's now going up for sale that's estimated at, at you know, f- what, what was it, five to ten million? Correct. Yeah. So, but, uh, and those are such rare items, but now the one cent, I, I, I didn't follow the trajectory of the one cent Z Grill. I don't know if, if uh, Gross auctioned it off or if he still has it. He still has it. And the only <laughs> other one known in existence is in the Smithsonian National Postal Museum. So, the two known are owned by Bill Gross and the Smithsonian, which now no one else can ever own that stamp. So the the thing about grills as well is that the classification system goes back over a hundred years. Yeah, and we've been working in the confines. It's it's a it's a brilliant system to measure them by the grill points, but it doesn't again without having the physical grilling devices. Mm-hmm. We have had to work backwards. It's like a crime scene where you have the evidence and you need to figure out who the suspect is. We have tried to put these things into neat and tidy boxes, ignoring the physical limitations and physical realities of the devices that created these things. Mm -hmm. The Z-Grill is a perfect example of that. We have had a commonly held definition of what a Z-Grill is for so long. It doesn't take into account the production. The manufacturing of the manufacturing of the grill itself. And this is what this article does so well is, again, why size matters. It's that Mm -hmm. why that carries all the weight in the title. Hmm. Everyone knows the grills. Everyone knows that they'll never be able to fill in all those gaps in their album. Yeah. Why is this? And again, without the why. It's much more difficult to ascribe value to something. Yeah. Yeah, it is highly, highly coveted i mean a mystic in their own album has a, an entire page for the one cent z girl just as they do the plate block of four jennies you know it, people people know this stamp um so you'd label this as a highly controversial article or no i think that it suggests something very controversial okay i think that the the, the bulk of the article is on the d e and f girls these are the production girls these are the the grills that were pressed into service and widely used mm-hmm. and vary by one or two grill points. Right. The bulk of the article is the the why behind these. It doesn't touch on okay. the experimental grills. It, it starts with the, the D, E, and F. 
Okay. Does it cover the A-grill at all? It does not. Okay. Because the A-grill is easily spotted. <laughs> right. <laughs> that is one that is one that uh, you don't even have to count. The, the D, E, and F are in the same family of grills, mm-hmm. as is the Z-grill, mm-hmm. which is why it is covered in this article. Mm-hmm. For, for those who don't know, we... I laughed when he said easily spotted. The A-grill is the grill all over. So if you're looking at a yes. stamp, there's a the, grill the, all over if, the if, stamp. If, if, the if there is no... Right, correct. Whereas the D, E, and F grills, as you can see in these images, yeah. uh, the, the grill only covers a, a portion of the stamp design. Yeah. Yeah. It, it is not all over the entire stamp. I highly recommend this article. Mm-hmm. Again, I don't want to spoil the ending of a book for anyone. Like, I'm not going to tell you what happens you have to hunt down this article. Mm-hmm. If you're a member of the collector's club. Yeah. That was going to, this is going to be my next question is you, you, you started the episode talking about digital media and everything. How do people find this article? Is it only available in print? No, this is what's so wonderful about society, such as the collector's club. And we're going to get to the classic society in a moment. They make these resources available online. Mm-hmm. So they mail this out. I, I don't keep every magazine I get. These two, the one I'm about to show you as well, uh, I keep with me because they are so significant to me. But if you're a member of the Collector's Club, you can go download this online okay, and have it forever as a PDF. This is why clubs matter. Michael, you do so much dealing on eBay. Mm-hmm. You have many, many unique customers on eBay mm-hmm. who are not APS members. No. Let alone Collector's Club of New York members or Classic Society members, or Airpost members. This is why joining is so important. I get that not everyone's a joiner. And there is a social component of it that I love that other people don't seek out. If for no other reason than getting these in your mailbox every couple of months, an article like Rex Dean Bishop's article on the production of the 1868 Grills Mm -hmm. justifies the cost of membership in 20 pages. And you because get it sounds five like other issues teach you so much. I mean, people are filling these spaces in their albums. They don't necessarily know what they're filling them with or exactly. why they should care about uh, maybe quality condition of the grills. Maybe they're plating, the, not plating, but maybe they're identifying the grills incorrectly or. Exactly. And again, it's one thing to say this is an A grill. This is a B grill. This is a D grill. This is mm-hmm. a B. But what does that mean? Who cares? <laughs> exactly. I, I, I don't want to sound flippant. Mm-hmm. But if you just say this one has 18 points and this one has 16 points. Yeah. Who cares? Yeah. This article is why you care. Mm-hmm. This article explains why people spend inordinate amounts of money or don't spend inordinate <laughs> amounts of money on certain things. That's yeah. why this is important. That's why the collector's club is important. Even if you don't go to the clubhouse, even if you don't go to the meetings. Mm-hmm. This is why joining societies is so critical. This so is why I, joining societies is so crucial. Can I ask you a little bit about um, the research behind it? I know, did, did he cite any, was this his personal research or did he cite different articles that you had a, in the beginning talked about all the work being done? It, it sounds like this was an independent project put together where the research was just completely done by the author. It's a combination. So so okay. uh, William Stevenson, I don't remember his first name. Stevenson is the gentleman who developed the classification and the nomenclature of grills okay. back in the early 20th century. A lot of 
Rexstein Bishop's work draws from Stevenson's original grill classification. Right. Well, it, the, it, 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 yeah, it has to. Exactly, because that's the that's the the uh, germ. That's the the yeah. kernel that this all came from. The other source that is very heavily referenced is, of course, the Scott Specialized Catalog, right? Which is the culmination of all of this research, and yeah. that's what people turn to. People aren't going to turn to Stevenson's articles in McKeel Stamp News from a century right. ago. They're going right. to turn to the Scott Specialized Catalog. Yeah. So much I, of the research was done originally, and and he even states here uh, that this article has been in process for years. This is mm-hmm. not a whim it, that was yeah. th- this is something that has required the the study and uh actual viewing the actual um tactile uh possession of many many stamps yeah so yes it, it draws on the work of of everyone from uh jerry wagshaw lester brookman uh ken lawrence um it draws from their work but its conclusion is something wholly unique and incredibly significant. It actually resulted in changes to the wording of the Scott catalog. Really? The Scott you, catalog. Yes. The, the, the way grills are measured. You, you said measured. You can also count the points. Yeah, so there's a, yeah. there's a millimeter measurement and there's yeah. a number of grill points measurement. Yeah. And a lot of the grill point measurements were shifted off by one number. They were either too high or too low. And the research in this article, basically, again, I don't want to give too much away. I've been dancing around the issue, but, but basically the, um, the, the grill, the grill points that were actually impressed into the stamp Mm -hmm. were oblong. You will say they were, um, they were longer than they were wide. Right. And the plate was grilled all over. Yeah. And then they would, cut into the plate to create little stamp sized sections of grill. When the plate was, when the grill plate was cut, you could cut a grill point in half one way. Yeah. But it was so thin, you could not cut it in half the other way. So the lines weren't necessarily straight. The the lines were straight, but they didn't necessarily align with the grill points. Interesting. Which is what leads to some variation. They were spaced out mathematically in millimeter terms, yeah. but not in number of grill point terms. So when we try to count the grill points, there can be variation within the same grill plate mm-hmm. because, you know, two centimeters would cut differently depending on how it was aligned. So not only changing the Scott specialized catalog, I, I'd assume that this now has to change how certification grading companies write certificates for grilled stamps it absolutely does huh when i got this article and yeah. we had we had larry haber on recently yeah i go to the clubhouse i certainly feel like i get my my money's worth with the collector's club mm-hmm. reading this article i was like that pays for the year's dues yeah i get five more issues of the magazine for free basically <laughs> because this is worth the price of admission yeah that sounds like such i it I'm excited to read it. It sounds like such an important article. It is. It changes the way you look at grills. Again, there are so many things that we take for granted. Yeah. That a, a, an 1851 Type 1 is more valuable than a Type 3, obviously. Yeah. Yeah. Why? Why? A Z grill is more valuable than a D grill. Mm-hmm. Why? Yeah. This will tell you. Perfect. Well, 
we're going to put a link to where we'll put a link to the collectors to the club. collectors club in our show notes where people can sign up and then they can download this on PDF or another question is I know not a lot of people like to read PDFs um, if they sign up for the collectors club now can they request back orders can I they believe request so but print I copy believe so that is a very okay. good question back issues are available for nine dollars perfect perfect nine bucks for this but you still need to be a member of the collectors yeah i believe so i believe so but to to have a physical copy of this is worth every penny of nine dollars i will tell you right now it is a bargain so when you again when you hold it up is the entire publication dedicated to this one article or are there other articles in no that's what's incredible this is only a small segment of the magazine you've also got Western Railroad postcards, Malaya uh, Crown Colonies, oh. um, uh, an article about a New York suffragette, a uh, captured postcard from the Serbo-Bulgarian War of 1885. Um, it's got other great articles. In it. Yeah, yeah. But again, I I want to call attention to what Rex Dean Bishop wrote. This is an article I keep reading over and over again. I keep it in my backpack. I take it on the train with me. It's just... Again, you, I, I, there's these bolded sentences mm-hmm. about the production of the Z-Girl. <laughs> I love that you're rereading it now. <laughs> I, I, I'm getting sucked in. I'm sorry. <laughs> the way things stand right now, there is no perfectly correct way to describe the size of the Z-Girl that includes all the values that Scott lists. Hmm. The correct answer is not acceptable to anybody. These are the bolded, italicized segments of this article that just jump out at you. What Scott lists as a Z-Grill is not a homogenous group of stamps. Right. It is not a group of stamps that you can define. Off the top of my head, there's four of them, right? There's the one cent, the two cent. um, Is there the five cent and the ten cent? How many Z-Grills are there? Okay, no, there's five of them. Two cent, three cent, ten cent, twelve cent, fifteen there cent. There are six Z-Girls. Oh, I yep. missed the one cent at the top. Okay, because it's got the annotation. There's six of them. One, two, three, ten, twelve, fifteen. So, grills, very popular. Everyone knows about them. Mm-hmm. Very few people understand them. Yeah. That's what I think this article does. Yeah. The second article I want to highlight. Yes. This one you've told me a little bit about. This was this after you read this article, this is when you called me and said, we've got to do this episode because I'm so excited about this article. And I know the perfect pairing for it. Uh, So I'm excited for you to talk about this. Do you want to introduce it? At least with grills. Yeah, there's a little bit of enigma. There's a little bit of mystery. And it's like, all right, I thought we knew about grills, but this article can be written and change the way we look at things. Mm -hmm. This next article is about something that should be so overdone yeah <laughs> and so widely discussed mm-hmm. it's like trying to discuss the declaration of independence hasn't mm-hmm. everything that could be written about it hasn't already been written mm-hmm. how do you write a book report about you know charles dickens when everyone has said this article is about the 1847 five cent stamp the first U.S. number one, the first mm-hmm. postage issue of the United States of America. Yeah. The most collected, the most researched, the most comprehensively yeah. written about stamp. 
But when you w- open up a left. collection, I feel like when I open up a collection to appraise it, you look for the that stamp. That stamp defines what the rest of the it collection is. It is the bellwether. If exactly if they have a number one. Yep. There's hope. If they're not yep. number one, there's still hope. But it, it it's right. the sign of a serious collector, I would say. Yeah. It's like the penny black. Yeah. I would think that after 174 years, mm-hmm. there'd be nothing more to write about the U.S. number one. Mm-hmm. Everyone, every collector can picture this stamp. It's, it's yeah. the U.S. number one. It is what it is. Then the most recent Chronicle arrives in the mail. The Chronicle is the publication of the U.S. Philatelic Classic Society. This is an organization that is very close to my heart because they sponsored my APS um, YPLF fellowship. Mm-hmm. They sponsored the fellowship that got me a job that is the reason I'm sitting here right now. So I owe my career to the Classic Society. Their magazine is edited by Michael Lawrence. It is, in my opinion, I don't think this is controversial, the best U.S. classic public you know, for, for serious U.S. philately. This is the, the best publication. And the front cover story. I want to get the title exactly right because this article deserves so much respect. The U.S. Five Cent of 1847, A New Approach to Impressions and Colors by Scott Trouble. How do you take the most recognizable United States stamp Mm -hmm. and write an article that flips everything on its head and changes the way we look at it after yeah. 174 years. How do you find some, not only something new to say about this stamp, but something new and significant to say about this stamp? Yeah. And Scott Trouble did it. I, I'm excited to see the cover. What's the cover look like? Front cover is this matrix. Yeah. That will be pinned to my wall forever <laughs> because this is so incredible. Mm-hmm. You look at the Scott catalog, there are different shades listed of the, the 1847. Yeah. One yeah. And the stamp was printed until it was replaced with the next series of stamps in 1851. And there were different printings. And these printings somewhat correlate to different color varieties, but there's color varieties that appear multiple times and there's color varieties that are restricted to one printing. And one man's dark brown is another man's brown. So, so there's very few Scott listed color varieties. But if you look at certificates and auction descriptions, yeah, I think in here Wade Soddy came up with 120 some odd, wow, color varieties of wow the 1847 one cent. Uh, of, I'm sorry, five cent number one. Yeah. This is the way we have classified these stamps. Has been the color. Is it dark brown? Is it red brown? Which is the generic scott mm-hmm. listing if you have a number one it's assumed to be red brown you have dark brown you have red brown you have orange brown you have red orange and you have brown orange so not only you have orange brown but you have brown orange and then add to that seal brown you add to that all these light orange brown dark orange brown 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 orange all these crazy combinations of colors and what scott Treppel says is don't look at the color first don't classify a stamp based on its color. Classify it based on the quality of the impression. Because very early on in the stamp's history, the plate was brand new. The impressions were yeah. brand new. There wasn't ink stuck in the cracks. It was sharp. It was beautiful. Yeah. Then as they printed more and more of these things, the plate 
became intermediate and lost some of its fine detail. Yeah. Then the plate became very worn, and you could barely make out any of the detail in the stamp. Then they cleaned the plate. They got rid of all the ink that was stuck inside of the engraved lines. Then they recut some of the positions. If you look at this matrix, the color is important, mm -hmm. but what's more important is the quality of the impression. And I yeah. highly recommend not looking at me holding it up to a camera on YouTube, getting a copy of this in person so that you can analyze and, and study this matrix. Mm -hmm. But what's incredible, you can see it somewhat better here, is that it's really noticeable. That's a plate yeah. proof at the top, and that's a worn impression right there. Looks like a different stamp. Yeah. There are certain things you can only see, certain leaves and oval projections and straw that I didn't even know existed until looking at these early impressions and these, these plate proofs in particular that were just lost as more of these stamps were printed. And mm -hmm. if you have a stamp on cover, you can immediately narrow down what printing it may have come from. Yeah. So the quality of the impression, Mr. Truppel argues, and I am inclined to agree, is what you should look at first. Then you work backwards and figure out, well, what color should I call this? Mm -hmm. But it is the quality of the impression that defines what a US number one is. So that adds almost an, an entirely new layer of, I don't want to, for lack of a better term, grading, you know, fine, very fine XF, the stamp, because you look at those things and those aren't talking about the impression, they're talking about the centering, the condition, whether it tears, thins, but then you now need to look at uh, almost not grading again, but but the, the quality. Whole, exactly. It, so it's you another have the, dimension. You have the state of the stamp. Is it mint? Is it used? Yeah. Manuscript cancel, yeah. you know, uh, court cancel, whatever. Then you have the, the centering. You're right. The condition. Yeah. Are there flaws? Is it well-centered? Is it yeah. XF90? Whatever. Then you have the color, mm -hmm. which certification companies have identified for some time now. Mm -hmm. Again, with no consistency whatsoever. And you're right. This is like a fourth dimension to the stamp. Yeah. What type of impression is it? Is it early? Is it late? Is it intermediate? Mm -hmm. So can I <clears throat> kind of go down a rabbit hole here? Absolutely go down a rabbit hole. So I think if at I what point, know you well enough, I know what you're going to ask and I can have the answer to it. Yeah. Uh, at, at what point do articles like this have a significant impact on how people write certificates for stamps? So obviously certifying stamps and writing certificates for what kind of um, the quality and, and plates and everything changes as information about the stamps expands and grows and we learn new things maybe we get rid of scott numbers maybe we had an a b and c things like that so at what point do companies like pf pse aps start including metrics like this on their certificates every one of these grading uh, of these advertising services is going to right. have their own metric their own right, rubric for when they include this stuff yeah the the, the basic standard though is if and not catalog. in all cases, but if Scott Catalog lists it. Yeah. With the grills, we just saw that they actually amended not their catalog listings, but their definitions. Right. What makes a D grill? What makes an E grill? Something like this should be adopted by Scott. Mm -hmm. And I will tell you right now, it would be incredibly easy for the Scott Catalog to adopt this. This is what I was hoping you would ask. Mm -hmm. Because Scott Truppel 
Dude. has come up with his recommended <laughs> listing for the Scott catalog. That's Priced incredible. and everything. Priced and everything. Wow. Well, I mean, he's got the he's got the information to do it. He breaks it down. The the five cent remains the red brown. Mm-hmm. That will always be because that's just been the standard for hundreds of, uh, over a hundred years. Yeah. He breaks it down into intermediate and worn impressions. Deep red brown, early impression. He matches up the shades to the impressions. Yeah. So that if you just want an eighteen fifty an eighteen forty seven five cent, you can still get one. Catalog value three hundred and seventy five dollars mm-hmm. used. Mm-hmm. Simple. But if you want to go that extra step, if you want to go that extra mile, yeah, that's all you need. So here's the rubric. Then the Scott catalog not only would need to list them, but they'd need to show photos. You know, you see the type one, type two. You've got the U.S. number one versus U.S. number three. It shows you the differences. It would almost need to be like a um, for coins, they have something called a photo grade. So it shows you the difference in the plate and how just how Mr. Treppel talked about the, the plates kind of deteriorate over time and the flaws in the plates. It does the same thing with the photo grade for coins. They'd need to show examples. A graphic like this would yeah. be so at home in the Scott catalog. And yes. I really hope this is a feature that we see soon. Yeah. Because again, this is something that will be literally pinned to my wall. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll also have it downloaded, of course, but I, I would love to to keep this because you're right it you this, this matrix yeah and if you have a red orange stamp you know that it can't be an earlier intermediate impression mm-hmm. you know that has to be a cleaned plate or a worn plate impression mm-hmm. this is so useful this is Can so I, helpful did he also add dates to it i, I know that your did smile you, says did, says yes did you read this article is no. that like a softball question no, no i didn't i still i haven't read the article do you want to are you ready for this yes the Perfect. dates of the printings yeah. of the five cent. Yeah. First printing, second printing, third, fourth, and fifth printing. Yeah. And Quality the dates the they were ordered and the dates they were delivered. Wow. So if you have a cover. Yeah. That, from, that's, that was impetus of this you, question. If you have a cover from January of 1848. Yeah. The second printing wasn't undertaken until March of 1848. Mm-hmm. So your January 1848 cover has to be a first printing. Yeah. And your first printing has to be an early impression. Yeah. You can pin these things down. Yeah. You can pin down what date the, the printing of your stamp was ordered mm-hmm. on by knowing so, these things. But this so now. This is the why. This is the why. Yeah. This yeah. is what's so incredible. If you have a, a red brown versus a, an orange red, okay, they just mix the ink differently. Yeah. Big deal. Maybe one's rarer than the other, but mm-hmm. is there any... Is there any deeper meaning to it? Yeah. People get so concerned when it comes to color. They say, oh, is it a changeling? Has it been in the sun too long or anything? This eliminates all of that. Because in some it, cases. Off-cover it, stamps are still tough. Let's not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 But, uh, yeah. <laughs> but <laughs> you still have changelings. Yeah, yeah. But, but this can tell you when your stamp was printed. Yeah. If you have a, 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 a fifth printing stamp, that's the cleaned plate but a worn impression of the cleaned plate so it's a little bit later than the the first cleaned plate impression Mm -hmm. so that would be something like it's a it's a bolder impression but less of the design is there right so so exactly so you had you had the plate yeah and that first printing of stamps would have been beautiful Mm -hmm. then it transfers into the intermediate then it transfers into the worn plate then they clean the plate like i said yeah which takes it back to an intermediate 
impression, basically. Yeah. Doesn't take it all the way back to how it was initially. Yeah. But it takes it most of the way back. But then it starts to wear down again. Mm-hmm. So if you have a worn plate, it can be either a worn a worn plate before the cleaning or a worn plate after the cleaning. Yeah. We don't have the plates for the 1847 issue. Hmm. This is like the grills. We have to reconstruct all of this based on just the stamps. Yeah. And I'm going to use this analogy where if you had the the skeleton of a of a whale, mm-hmm. you would not be able to reconstruct what a whale looks like or a giraffe or an mm-hmm. elephant based on just the bones. Yeah. You would have no way of knowing what color the animal was or a camel's hump doesn't yeah. show up on its skeleton. This is yeah. what we're trying to I've do. We're trying so to- many. That was, a, that was a t- another dinosaur tangent. So many tangents about people saying, oh, they had smooth skin or scaled skin or feathers or. Right. You don't we're know. trying. We're trying to take stamps and reconstruct what the printing plate looked like mm-hmm. in, in the absence of the printing plate. Yeah. This is what is so important about Scott Truppel's article. Yeah. Is that, again, just like the article on the grills, it gives you that why. Yeah. Why is this stamp darker or lighter or oranger or redder or browner than another stamp? Yeah. This is everything you need to know. Same Shoot. question. Um, back orders. How? How? How do we? How do we? How do people get it in their hands? How do people get this? Because I, I, I personally know of customers my, myself who collect, you know, the 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 five cent number one. I, I mean, that that are going to want something like this if they're if they don't already have it. If you are remotely interested, yes, in United States philatelic, mm-hmm. you should join the Classic Society. Because it is only $35 a year. And I say only. I realize that's significant money to some. In the grand scheme of philately, $35 for the Classic Society is criminal. Yeah. That you get four issues of this magazine for that little money. Yeah. It is not to mention the website, not to mention the meetings, not to mention everything else the Classic Society does. This is the bargain of the century mm-hmm. in philately. If you are not a member, it's you less just than ten dollars a it is publication. You can buy this magazine as a non-collector for ten dollars. Okay. Oh wow! So you don't have to go spend hundreds of dollars on the latest book mm-hmm. for ten dollars. You can get Scott's original research. Mm-hmm. To get people to change the way they think about the most discussed United States stamp Mm -hmm. shows me that there's still research to be done. I shouldn't despair that everything's been plated, everything's been identified, everything's been categorized. Because Scott Truppel said, this is the 1847 five cent. If people know one U.S. stamp, other than maybe the inverted Jenny, this is it. Mm -hmm. And he said, I'm going to try and change the way people view it. Yeah. And I will tell you, in H.R. Harmer descriptions moving forward, we will follow the recommendations laid out in this article. That's and I hope that other dealers and auction houses follow suit. I know that Siegel is doing it. Yeah. And certainly the sample size they had with the Bill Gross collection of 47s mm. made an article like this even possible. Right. This is a recommendation and a suggestion that everyone in the hobby should be open to. Yeah. And I am... So excited 
by work like this being done. Mm-hmm. That's the thing, is it just fills me with vigor. Yeah. Because it proves to me that there's still and and one last thing I wanted to say about this. Just like the the, the grill article leaves this open question of the Z grill. It leaves it for future researchers to resolve this issue. Mm-hmm. There's a line in here that is very exciting to me. The five cent eighteen forty seven and the ten cent eighteen forty seven were printed in two panes of one hundred. So the sheet was two hundred stamps, two panes of one hundred. The the there are large multiples, uh, especially plate proofs that exist that have allowed much of the plates to be reconstructed. And in fact, the ten cent has been fully plated and fully reconstructed. You can plate any example. Although this is for the five cent now, this is yeah. for the, the the five cent red brown. Although a complete pane of plate proofs from the right pane is known, the left pane has not been completely reconstructed. The search for plateable examples of 5 cent 1847 proofs and stamps from the left pane continues, and a progress report is planned for a forthcoming chronicle. Wow. We may be nearing the plating. And there have been rumors for decades about people who are doing this covertly in secret plating and and plating for people who don't know involves figuring out the minute differences between stamps on a plate figuring Mm -hmm. out what position on a on a plate of stamps they didn't all make it as easy as the penny black did with the numbers and exactly there's these are little tiny things little flaws little varieties variations that allow us and and when they talk when when scott talks about plateable examples these are either positional pieces like a corner or an edge or pairs or strips or multiples yeah which can be overlapped so if you have you sort of like a puzzle you have a, an upper left corner and then you have a pair where the upper left corner is in the left side, and you can overlap these things to mm-hmm. create the the entire paint yeah the fact that there's a progress report coming on this soon yeah uh, how exciting is this yeah this is yeah. one of the longest standing mysteries of philately is mm-hmm. plating the 1847s most, if not all, of the 1851s and 57s have been plated. The two, the uh, the 10 cent number two, 1847, has been plated. Half of the five cent 1847 has been plated. This pain is the <laughs> last. It's like the white whale. I feel, yeah. I feel like like Ahab here. <laughs> this is the last thing to be plated. Mm-hmm. Again, not in yeah. absolute terms, but this is the most important thing waiting to be plated. Mm-hmm. There was a series of articles written by Jerry Wagshaw in the Chronicle a number of years ago that I was reading that, that talk about this as this, again, this this holy grail of philately. And then yeah. Scott, sort of as a, a footnote, almost as an afterthought, says, yeah, there's a progress <laughs> report coming. Man, how exciting is that? Yeah. That we're on the cusp of, of greatness here. Yeah. Yeah, this is this is what excites me so much. And my my big takeaway. So it was again, these two articles are and you you almost feel bad picking two articles because there's plenty of other great things that have been written. And you feel bad picking two societies because there's many, many great societies. My main purpose of highlighting these two articles, other than sharing them with with people who maybe haven't had the chance to read them yet, is that. Again, there are so many people we deal with, but especially you Mm -hmm. on eBay. Who collect stamps and invest serious money in stamps or invest serious time in stamps mm-hmm. and are passionate who don't join. Yeah. Because they don't go to shows, because they don't want to go to meetings, because they don't whatever. 
don't view it as a membership even. View it as a magazine subscription with a bunch of free added benefits like yeah. website access and meetings in person and everything. But the the classic society and the collector's club in particular are still pioneering research and they are still putting out articles that change the hobby. As great as Twitter is, as great as Facebook is, as great as the Ferjola board, I'm on the Ferjola board constantly. Yeah. These are great resources. Mm -hmm. But at the end of the day, this hobby is an analog, tactile, physical hobby. Mm -hmm. And the magazines will always be where the best original research appears. Right. And if the barrier to entry to access this material is $35 a year for the collectors uh, for the classic society. Yeah. This club's a little bit more expensive, granted. Join. Yes. Yeah. Join. That's my my appeal is to to join these societies. To make these publications possible. I mm -hmm. selfishly want more of this. Join these societies. Allow them to keep doing what they're doing. Allow people like Rex Dean Bishop and Scott Trouble to have a, a venue for the publication of these articles because we are changing the hobby still. Scott Treppel, Rex Dean Bishop are changing the hobby. Yeah. And, and I'm sure there are people out there who aren't members whose personal collections that they're building, maybe they're diving really deep into an individual stamp or anything, whose research would be would benefit publications Absolutely. like this and Absolutely. could possibly have an impact on the hobby itself as you as you, you just heard these, these two, two articles, articles one of them already impacted the scott catalog yeah. one of them should impact the scott catalog and and yeah. hopefully will um you're right it's a two-way street yeah. read these articles consume these articles like i have but contribute and like you will because i'm giving these to you tomorrow yeah to read but contribute as well yeah Contribute and and again, if if you even if it's just buying a physical copy of the magazine, ten bucks for the Chronicle, mm -hmm. you know, two or three cups of coffee. Support <laughs> support. On state. Well, I was <laughs> New York prices, <laughs> one cup of coffee. Um, I just really feel passionate about about these societies that yeah. are they have been at the forefront. The Collectors Club Philatelist goes back to the twenties. The Chronicle has its roots in the nineteen fifties in the eighteen fifty seven three cent study group. Support these societies. Get these articles. Read these articles. Cherish these articles. Yeah. Because this is the future of the hobby. This is where philately is headed. As great as the online sphere is, as many friends as we've made on Stamp Twitter, sometimes you just have to hold something in your hands. Yeah. Sometimes you just have to grab a magazine and read it, and it will change the way you look at the hobby. Yeah. Perfect. I mean, the, the, thank you so much for suggesting this episode, for for sharing these articles, and I think it is such an important, important piece, and an impo it's important to to be said, and it's important for people to to hear it. And and I I know specific customers that that I have that are they're gonna they're gonna love this. I, do not buy a grilled stamp. <laughs> <laughs> and do not buy an 1847 five cent until yeah. you have read these articles, please. Because yeah. again, they're accessible. The, there's a low barrier to entry. And if you're seriously buying one of these stamps, you should know what you're getting into. And these two articles will make it all make sense. These it's going to change it the way how people collect. I really hope it does. I hope that this new 1847 uh, classification system yeah. changes the way people buy 47s. 
hope this changes the way people buy grills. Yeah. If you're listening to this and you check out these articles, write us. Let us know what you think. Am I overstating this? I don't think so. I don't think but so. But I would love to hear from somebody who checks out one or both of these articles. And yeah. more than anything, I want to thank the Classic Society and all of its members that have supported me. I want to thank Michael Lawrence, uh, the editor of The Chronicle. I want to thank Scott Truffle for his article. And on the other side, I want to thank Larry Haber from the Collectors Club. I want to thank Wayne Youngblood, editor of the CCP. And I want to thank Rex Dean Bishop, who I actually don't know. All these other people I know personally. I don't know him personally um, for writing these articles and for publishing these articles and for managing the societies that put out these publications that run these articles. Um, This is my sort of love letter to to what's going on in the philatelic world right now. Yeah. Yeah. I hope we're, these articles are suggestive of, and, and, and the, the implementation of technology and photo spectrometry uh, and things like this. I, I hope we're on the cusp of a Renaissance. I, again, I, I think my despair is misplaced when I say that everything has been done. I think we are to end on a positive note. I think we're entering a new chapter of philately and I think yeah. it's really exciting. What's on the horizon. It's incredibly exciting. Yeah. Thank Michael, you so much, Charles. Thank you for letting me ramble about these articles. <laughs> no. I've been so excited to talk about them. Yeah. I've read them each multiple times. Again, to our listeners. We'll put links out. everywhere we'll put links in, in the, the description. Show notes. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, thank you, Charles. I'm actually going to see you tomorrow. Tomorrow, you're coming up. You're driving up from New York. We've got this large collection that we're going to be going through together. We're going to be filming. And we're this just is a collection be- that has material that is suited for Noble Spirit and yeah. suited for H.R. Harmer. And you and me are going to tear it apart and see what's what yeah so next week's episode will be a little bit different as well eventually um, we'll have another guest on that. eventually we'll have another we've got guest some good on. ones lined up but but yes. you're right ne- next week will be uh you and me breaking down a collection showing people what we're looking for yeah and i think that'll be a lot of fun i'm excited to uh come up to new hampshire and and see the operation you guys have got i've watched yeah. our little walkthrough video a couple of times to prep myself but yeah uh, i'm sure beholding it in person will be a lot uh a lot more exciting I'm looking forward to it. It's going to be a blast. Oh, yeah, that's all I can say about it. It's going to be fun. Yeah. Um, the usual housekeeping. We're on Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts. Uh, we're on YouTube. Yeah. We are on Twitter. Yeah. We are on. We're on everything. We're um, on everything. Flatlypodcast dot com. Yeah. at gmail.com. Write us after this episode, please. I want feedback. Yeah. If I spoke too much. <laughs> <laughs> I don't but think only so. email us if you didn't think i did yeah absolutely um anything else michael this is been I a think, lot of fun i, I think again, that's I, it i i can't wait to get your take on these articles yeah i'm uh i'm looking forward to it this was a good one uh thank you for sharing it it's super interesting information that i that i feel is going to have a massive impact on the hobby things are changing always you know it's it's exciting. It's not, yeah, it's exciting, but it's not a stagnant hobby. Things no, are... no, again, it's so easy to think everything's been done. Yeah. It hasn't. Yeah. Look at look at Rexstein Bishop and Scott Treppel uh, yeah. for evidence of that. Yeah. Michael, Perfect. as always, this has been fun. Let's yeah. uh I was gonna say let's talk real soon, but I'll see you in less than twenty four hours. Yeah. Yeah. Um looking forward to it. Absolutely. Michael, Til next good time. talking to you. Yeah. Bye.